0: This episode is brought to you in part by Harvest House Publishers and the new book, The Good Gift of Weakness. Discover how human weakness not only allows God's strength to shine, but it was all by His design. The Good Gift of Weakness is now available wherever books are sold.
1: Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary.
2: Welcome to the table. We discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Daryl Bach, and I am Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendrick Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And I guess our guests are two Australians, and Simon Smart, who is in Sydney. I probably you qualify as the guest who is furthest away from us when we have recorded. I'm, I'm guessing because it takes a good 18-hour flight to get to you from Dallas. And then John Dixon, who um, normally would be in Sydney, at least in a past life, but now is teaching at Wheaton College and uh, Green Bay Packers fan and
0: Americanized (laughs) as you can get, right, John? Except for the accent. Exactly right. I think think my accent has got more Australian in the year that I've been here.
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, I do that too when I say I'm in (laughs) Texas and I'm in Australia. (laughs) <laughs> we can both play that game. Anyway, uh, so it's great to be with you guys. Our topic is Australia. We're going to talk about the church in Australia, the situation that exists. And I'm going to begin with you, Simon. You work for the Centre for Public Christianity. And just to make it clear that you are in Australia, that's spelled C E N T R E. Okay. <laughs> that'll 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 give some of our American friends pause. But anyway, uh Talk a little bit about why the center existed and why you and John uh, uh, created a center in Australia for the church.
3: Yeah, thanks, Darrell. Good to see you. Good to see you, John. The yeah. um, well, I'm just going to say I've done that Dallas to Sydney flight a number of times, and it's a it's a long one, especially when you sit up the <laughs> yeah, back. It's and... a long one. There aren't <laughs> enough good movies. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's good, good fun to be to be with you. Well, it's 15 years ago that. John uh, and you know we got together with a few others and and John's it was John's idea by the way but uh, I think we both felt very keenly that um, in Australia there's a huge amount of misunderstanding really about what's core to Christianity so we set out to and we've continued to do that to try to promote the public understanding of the Christian faith uh, which we feel like is really lacking in Australia and I thought sure we'll talk about you know why that might be but. That was the aim and so um, we thought we want to direct everything we do to the secular person and fi- try to find ways of having better conversations about what's core to Christianity what it might have to say to you know contemporary life and we do that in a bunch of different ways with writing for mainstream media, which we've done a lot of. John will remember when we sort of set out to try to do this, we weren't sure how that would go, but it's gone pretty well, actually. And we've tried to find a, a way to be in those spaces where often your public uh, Christian voices are absent or perhaps not quite the tone that you would love to see all the time. So we we thought we'd, there'd be a role to play there in being a kind of voice that's clear, thoughtful, respectful and, and engaging. We've tried to do that in lots of different ways. Documentaries, public events, all that sort of stuff.
2: John, and and uh, one of the things that you've tried to emphasize is that Christians need to be better listeners about mm. what's going on around them as they interact. Talk a little bit about that, because that's probably the reverse of the way most Christians think I've got this new good news to share, I just want to share it. Uh, um, talk a little bit about that dimension of what you all do at the center, have done at the center.
0: Well, it, it, in emphasizing listening, it, it's not in any way of taking away from we have a message. You know, I mean, Simon described it as communicating the public, you know, creating the public understanding of the Christian faith. So there's content. But the thing is, um, unless you're really listening you don't know how the content is coming across. So it's one thing to have a message, but unless you're really listening to people's emphases, passions, biases, preferences, and so on, you have, you have no idea how what you're saying is being heard. And so CPX from the beginning had, had a message, I mean, we're a bunch of talkers and writers, um, but listening just lets you know where you are, where you're situated, and what are people thinking before you open your big mouth? And and if you've listened enough, when you open your big mouth, hopefully, they hear what you think you're saying. <laughs> that, it's, <a> simple, <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's not rocket science. Yeah,
2: interesting. Well, yeah, and, and of course, I tell people all the time, there are major obstacles between the Christian message and where many secular people are. They don't have some of the categories that we assume in our message. So we may be communi- communicating something we think is totally clear, but people don't even have a category for receiving some of what we say. And so uh, becoming aware of that and being sensitive for that is, is important. So let's take a step back and talk about Australia for a second. Um basic facts, uh, population, how many states does it have or provinces, however you want to um, do that. Oh, by the way, I was going to say CPX is the abbreviation for the Center for Public Christianity for those of you who don't speak in code. And then <laughs> uh, um, and, and so uh, how many states does it have? What's the population? What's the Christian population or Sunday attendance and the evangelical population? So let's run through some of those stats if you have them between the two of you and we'll see we'll see where that lands between,
3: is. between the two of us we should be able to get something out of here yeah,
0: yeah.
3: five so states 20, and two 26. territories is
0: it
3: five, five? states yeah. and two
0: territories well um, so, so six states if you include tasmania do we include tasmania <laughs> tonight? To
2: <laughs> <laughs> now i didn't plan on opening any inner aussie oh, debate
0: here but tasmania is its own place huh uh, I really hope this doesn't uh broadcast to my very dear friends in Hobart. <laughs> 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 yes, I think
2: we're shooting. Capital Tasmania. of Tasmania, for those of you who you don't know where our Hobart is. But anyway, very cool. So that's so well. I don't think I can name them all. Let me see if I can name them all. This would be a good test of my American Aussie and oh, yeah. Tasmania, we'll count it. Okay. Victoria. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh Queensland. Mm-hmm. You uh, just jumped up. Uh, Western Australia well I'm I'm I uh, uh, what have, what have I left out New South Wales right okay and so I'm missing one what is it A Northern South Territories
3: Australia. South Australia South Australia South
2: Australia okay and then the two territories All right. and the two territories Northern Territories? I don't know what the yep. other territory is I don't think I've ever known
0: the Australian the ACT. capital territory it's where our oh, really? capital is it's where Canberra is okay Canberra it's is, Canberra.
3: it's essentially just the city, really, and a tiny bit more. But it's, they
0: couldn't decide
3: okay. where to put the capital of
0: Australia. Sydney and Melbourne just were arch rivals, so they I basically can't that at they all, basically counted, counted to the middle and plonked a capital there, in the middle uh, of. The okay the great compromise huh and and now i've just lost our friends in can in uh, Canberra. <laughs> We're That's losing are carrying
2: up to the country one answer at a time so uh, <laughs> anyway
3: uh, okay population yeah. can we geo block this this uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. program The um, <laughs> the population's 26 million people uh, okay. around around about it's um on the census, so where people will tick, you know, I have this, some sort of religious affiliation and, you know, there's lots to talk about and what, what they mean by that, but let's just, you know, that's one measure. Let's stick with that. So the the people who would tick uh, Christian is 43.9%. That's dropped mm. very quickly in the last several years. So the one before that was 52% in 2016. The one before that was 61%. So it's dropping very quickly. I so oh, wow. would be happy to tick that. We thought, yeah, I remember John and I used to talk about this. We we thought this latest census would drop below 50%, but I don't think, John, I, at least I didn't think it would be quite as far down. As yeah, as I as
0: thought as it would drop there. to maybe 47%, 48%, something yeah. like that, just just below. So uh, it ended up being 439 Yeah, um, it's dramatic. And, and, of course, the no religion uh, yeah. crew have increased uh, with the same success that christianity's uh declined but so where is that now I, that'd 39 percent.
2: okay so you're ahead 30, of us. you're ahead 30. of us here in the states the states has a as a 30 percent number for what are known as the nuns and then i always have to say that's not n-u-n-s <laughs> mm, so yes. um uh those who don't claim a religious affiliation so is what has happened well I, I can will ask it this way. So what is happening in Australia kind of like what's happening in the States and that there's a younger generation that is coming along that is not as religiously inclined as the older generations in our country have been? Or is this uh, or is this uh, a pattern that's been part of the Australian life kind of from the beginning?
3: Yeah. Can I just say, uh, in answer to that, uh, Darrell, that um, – we often like to tell the story of the first chaplain to the colony of New South Wales. The, the, uh, the chaplain's name is Richard Johnson. He was a, a you know, colleague, friend of John Newton, William Wilberforce, those sorts of people. He was a very popular chaplain. Uh, CPX's public lecture every year is named after him. But he, he uh, among many other things in the colony, built the first church out of his own funds and that church was then promptly burnt to the ground by the convicts. So we we often say there was an uncomfortable relationship with religion ever, ever <laughs> since that moment. And it's true. Australians have a weird, I'd love to talk more about this today because they have a weird relationship with religion. Um it was pretty like a lot of you like know, you imagine, it was sort of built into the culture in lots of ways institutionally and and culturally for a long time but it's never it's always been there's this sort of anti-authoritarian streak in Australians and um so that's that's kind of been there all the way through but it has been in our lifetime it's really dramatically shifted so you know back when I was a kid even if you weren't a real church goer let's say you're going to get married you'd turn up at the church to get married that would have been just a natural thing to do it's Almost no one would do that now. It's like a unless they're a committed kind of Christian person. So as a, you know this is a kind of these sorts of indicators are interesting to me because you know that was once a thing you would do, but even in the last 50 years, that's changed a lot. So most people now would have a non-religious celebrant uh, including and this is sometimes a surprise to me but including for funerals as well. So mm. yeah it's it's um, it's been a big shift. You've got a generation of people now that have had really no meaningful contact with Christianity. So it presents a really interesting, doesn't it, John? Like kind of moment really to speak to people who have both a baggage. There's still a sort of there's a bit of resentment about you know the church and and the uh, claims to authority of the church, but a deep, deep naivety in terms of what. Uh, what it's actually about. Yeah, there's um, a famous Australian historian,
0: Patrick O'Farrell, who uh, was the first to describe Australia as the first genuinely post-Christian society. And he, he named that in, a, in an essay he wrote way back in 1975. So in 1975, they were describing Australia as a post-Christian society. So it is something that's been in our tradition uh for a long while and the parable of um well the fact but the parable of the burning down of our first church uh, as simon said uh is often brought to bear on this um so that so that there is this strain of anti-christianity that that's always been there but what we've seen in in recent decades and the and the dramatic decline i think is partly the younger generation not going to church and not having sunday school and not having any religious input And part of it is uh, the loss of social credibility in saying that you are a Christian. So 30 years ago, there was still some social value in saying you were a Christian or involved in a church, but there's been a moral credibility and crisis in credibility that has meant that even those who thought vaguely... That they were a Christian, the kind of you know nominal socially respectable yeah I'm a Christian they have said no nah, I'm, I'm not ticking that box anymore there's no value to it anymore I think that is a real part of this story not it's not the whole story but it's a genuine part of the story um and 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 in a way it's going to just keep going until the real number of you know genuine Christians for you know for whom there is no social value in saying you're a christian uh is revealed by by the data and it might be as low as 20 percent in australia so i think we've got a long way to go from 44 percent interesting
2: so and this is happening here too the number of people who are who are culturally christian christian Mm. because the environment uh allowed you to affirm it and it gave you some spiritual connection Mm. um that number is dropping here in the states as well and that's that has some element of of the adjustment in our own numbers, but that's not the only thing that's happening. Um, there there is a, just a, re, a general reduction a, as well, and the risk of losing. Uh, here we've got the risk, of course, of losing an entire generation uh, of people to the faith, as these numbers change. Um, let me. Uh, I I need to go back and collect one piece of Australian history so that people who don't know Australia's history will appreciate it and that is um, australian's origins aren't the most honorable at their start is that a fair way to put it i won't uh...
0: have that said we we <laughs> take great pride in the fact that we come from british convicts and from british convicts I mean, that's you right. can it's... have your pilgrim fathers with their prayers and psalm singing <laughs> we are rum drinking swearing <laughs> anti-royalty Thieves, and um, <laughs> and we're proud of it.
3: In fact, the, the it's, word, it's the word penal the word penal is honoured in the roots of Australia. Is that correct? It's it weird. is. And if your yes. people trace their ancestry, they'd be glad to. Mm. It's actually true. Like people would be glad to say, "Oh no, our our ancestors were convicts. They weren't part of the you know the establishment." It's even um, worse than that
0: because anyone who can say they're related to Ned Kelly. Who was the most <laughs> notorious bush ranger? Like I don't know what what's the equivalent in America? Like, thief. Kill, like, no, yeah, like those, yeah, a bandit out in the wild west. So if you if you are somehow related to Ned Kelly, it's a it's a thing of pride. It's truly weird. And our genuine national song is not Advanced Australia Fair. It's um, Waltzing Matilda, right? And if anyone goes and listens <laughs> to that, it's a song about someone escaping the police who jumps into a billabong and dies rather than get caught by the cops. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what so an honorable starting something. place.
2: Yeah.
0: No, that's yeah. True. So, uh, well, I always knew
2: part. Australia was different. I just didn't know how different it was. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so, so the evangelical population in, in Australia, what, what is that? Where does that sit? What's that? What's that percentage? What's that, that? Well, you said, let me do one other thing before I go there. You said you population around 26 million did I get that number right Mm -hmm. um how many of those are in Sydney and how many of those people are in Melbourne because those are the two big cities
0: yes it's about four to five in the Sydney area
3: and three to four in Melbourne I think that's about right Simon almost it's actually changed John since you've been away um (laughs) what have you been doing (laughs) Melbourne to America. Go ahead.
2: Melbourne's, <laughs>
3: Melbourne's been growing and it's they're, they're much closer to and depending on how you divide it all up they've this year they reported that Melbourne had just tipped above Sydney I in, don't Australia, believe it I'm afraid to tell you so <laughs> oh really so Melbourne they, is now the largest city in Australia according to the figures this year but um it's a good point to raise about this, the population of Australia because they're mostly in huge a couple of big metropolitan centres, Sydney, Melbourne, and then they hug the coast as well. So the eastern seaboard, most of the population's there and then hugging the coast. And huge parts of Australia are kind of uninhabitable. (laughs) That's a a similar side geographically. I've been told that if you drive in Western
2: Australia and leave Perth and go north, that you will go north and north and north and north and north and north and not see <laughs> almost anything.
0: Mhm. Yeah, oh. it's if you fly from Sydney to Perth. Um and 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 try and look out for cities along the way, you won't spot one yeah yeah it's 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 nothing east like coast flying to West coast, yeah. yeah east coast to West yeah. yeah it's nothing like yeah.
3: flying new york to la no, <laughs> no
0: which yeah is a
3: very, it always i'm always struck by that if i have flown in the u.s that you just mm-hmm. look down and you see city after city after city it's the absolute reverse in australia you can watch yeah a well, we're 10
2: times bigger than you are in population easily mm-hmm. oh, uh yeah. so uh
3: Yeah, you can watch a movie, then look out the window, and the view hasn't changed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So okay, so let's
2: come to let's come to the makeup of the church in Australia, particularly evangelicals. Um, uh, Let's do Protestants, Catholics, evangelicals, and then I'll ask about other religions. So.
3: I'm hoping John might note some of this. So Catholics, I think I'm right in saying uh twenty percent of the population. Does that seem about right to you, John? Yep. Yep. Anglicans are nine point eight percent, but that wouldn't mean evangelical, and we'll talk about that. Um and then there's a category of not you know, not a mainline denomination, which is that's the one area that's growing, the sort of non sort of uh, affiliated, which is Got to about two point seven percent, evidently. Do that? Do those groups tend to be evangelical? Yes. Yeah. Uh, evangelical.
2: Yeah. Pro- I mean, they're, they're,
0: uh, Pentecostal. 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 Yeah.
2: Pentecostal. Okay.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so the Pentecostal movement is growing in in Australia.
0: Yes, yeah. it's taken some hits in recent years. Because um, that's
2: Hillsong, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and our friends out at Hillsong have taken some real hits. Uh, but, but, you know, overall, the trend is that Pentecostals are growing. Um, most main lines are not, um, the, most of them are declining. Most of the main lines are declining. Uh, there's a, there's a different story with Sydney Anglicans. They, they are a particular kind of Anglican. Then they tend to be not mainstream, traditional nominal. They tend to be, you know, more sort of passionate evangelical, and they're not growing, uh, but they are, uh, well, they are factually growing, but um, not quite with the population increase. So they're growing, but not quite at at, um, at replacement level, you might say. But nonetheless- And they, they tend to be reformed healthy. in Sydney? Reformed? Tend to be reformed? Evangelical Anglican. Yeah. I know that's weird for an American audience. Yeah. Um, but you need to think of J.I. Packer- John Stott, Dick Lucas, Vaughan Roberts—to think of a Sydney Anglican—they're more. It's more like J.I. Packer than I see. um, I don't know. uh, I won't name names.
3: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: So, 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 what, so, what percentage of the population would that be? That's under is that
0: under well under 10% 8% something like that what's the evangelicals well well yeah. under well under 10% I yeah. don't have the figure to hand I would say it's it's probably something like 3 or 4% Simon I have you see. got any data on that
3: I, I don't but I do know that it's still the case that no I don't I'm particularly on evangelical but it would be low um C- christian church all over would be about once some uh People who go once a month would be about yeah. 15% of the population. 15% go to church
0: once a month. But that includes
3: Catholics, Orthodox, everybody. That's everybody.
2: Yeah. And yeah. It's, okay.
3: But on any given Sunday, it's closer to about 8% of people.
2: But you're, that makes you twice yeah. as religious as the UK, right? Because the UK is about half that number, isn't it, or
0: less? Mm, I'm not sure. I, I know that the UK just last year announced that they too had dropped to below 50% claiming to be Christians, they dropped to 47% in the UK. Um, I was there just last November when when it was announced. And just as happened in in Australia, in the UK, the, the media had a field day. You know, now Christians are a minority. Now the data proves they're a minority why are we giving them so many privileges? That was the kind of hmm. uh, story, both in, in, in Australia and, and in the UK. I mean, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good question. But my, you know, my secret thought was, man, we've been a minority, a real minority, for a long time. The data's just catching up. Yeah, <laughs> interesting.
1: God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform.
2: So so obviously this produces challenges for the church to be— uh, it uh, mine might also suggest there's some benefits in being in having the people who identify as christian as really being committed to christianity and not being just culturally there on the one hand but mm-hmm. on the other hand being so few there's there's no there's no confusion one of the things I, I actually find interesting in going to Australia coming from the us is no one is pretending to have any social political cultural power of of significance, everyone knows they are a minority and have to function as a minority in the country. So, talk about the challenges that face Christianity. You've talked about the public perception of Christianity in Australia. What is it that you felt like you needed to to provide for people?
3: Yeah, there's there's lots. There are lots of challenges in Australia. Um, there's there's just a huge amount of apathy as well when it comes to thinking about deep human questions and we're always trying to provoke the imaginations of people to ask these sort of questions and uh, particularly at CPX we're trying to sort of look at what are the foundational things that you build your life on and, and you know, what does it mean to be a human being? What's the shape of the good life? What, you know, where am I going to get meaning and satisfaction and these sorts of things? I don't think Australians have been good at answering those sorts of questions or even addressing them. We're very good at distracting ourselves. Um, and there's a sort of superficiality in that way. It might come from, there was a uh, Australian very famous um rock band called Midnight Oil and they had a song called Too Much Sunshine and uh, I've often wondered about that. You know, Australia has a very kind of hedonistic, especially in certain parts of the country, approach to life. It's all about the good, good times and the, the weekends and being out on your boat or doing whatever it is, you know, fun thing you can do. And there's this sense that people live in a pretty, they live a very materially prosperous um, life here. And, you know, it might be that question of if you feel like you're already in heaven, you don't need to think about uh, those sort of questions. So uh, on the one hand, I'd say that a a thin, I've sometimes described it as a thin layer of resentment, but over a sea of apathy, you know, people Mm. really are quite apathetic. But on the other hand, we have huge and interesting and sobering statistics on things like loneliness and uh, disaffection and anxiety and suicide rates and all these sorts of things and we you know I'm always paying trying to pay attention to those as they sit alongside other stats and to say that you know human beings are human beings everywhere and they do need a big story to belong to they do need uh, answers to to longings that they have and we just we feel like yes on the one hand you can get depressed about what's happening. In terms of a kind of a spiritual conversation in Australia, but and on the other hand, there are great opportunities to talk to people about these these things and find ways into the conversation. I, I really really uh, like what John was saying earlier about becoming good listeners, as not just as people working in the work we do, but as as a Christian community to to really loving the community around you, in order, and you have to know them well to do that. They say two thirds of people in Australia say they don't have a close friend who's a Christian. And that Mm. for me is a very telling thing. Like the need, the opportunity is for Christians to be out in their communities, living lives of of service of the common good in order to provoke that sort of, well, to, to do what they should be doing. And also to kind of invite the question of why you live like this or why you're that kind of person. So. Yeah, I think that there are huge challenges. It'd be silly to kind of play those down, but but the also interesting great thing opportunities. Well, yeah, on that
0: opportunities side, um, one of the curious things about Australia, you know, we've talked about the decline of religion, but there's there's a lot of enduring background belief. Hmm. Um, it, it it tends to be shut out because of apathy, as Simon said, but but um, there is some interesting data uh, just from 2021. Um, I just called it up as we were as you, as you were talking, Simon, that um, MacRindle Research conducted in 2021 to find out what people thought about the resurrection. They asked Australians whether they believe in the resurrection, and I, I've, I've got the data in front of me. Um, those who were certain it didn't happen in Australia was only 15%. Okay, mm-hmm. so it didn't happen. Uh, those who think it's really unlikely, 12%. Okay, so let's just add 15 and 12, right? It's 27 or, you know, it's 28 with the little points. So 28%. So under a third are skeptical about the resurrection. Mm. Those who said, I don't know, 28%. Okay, but the most extraordinary thing from this survey is those who are certain Jesus rose again from the dead, 23% Mm. in Australia. Okay, those who think it's possible Jesus Christ rose from the dead, 20%. So 43% of Australians are open to the resurrection and then another 28% are not sure. And then you've got this smaller section that's really sceptical. And, and, and the reason I point that out is um, if it's true that Australia is kind of the future of America, as in uh, the data in America is about 10 years behind in secularisation, it's not all depressing. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. this mm-hmm. sort of memory of an echo of Christianity that's still in our culture. Uh, that's one of the relics of being a post-Christian culture. There's stuff sitting there ready to be activated, and it might be the case that you know people have a perception of Christians as bullies, say. But sitting right alongside that perception is the memory that Christians—they're the ones, like the Salvos, the Salvation Army, who will be feeding the homeless and and you know care, caring for people and and opening hospitals and so on. So there's two Christianities sitting in a post-Christian head, yeah, and, it, and it's the easiest thing to activate one or, or, or the other of them. The smallest hint that you're a bully Christian will activate this whole perception of Christians as bullies. But the smallest hint of kindness and compassion and other person-centeredness activates this memory. Oh, yeah, that's what Christians are like on their best day. Yeah. So this
2: brings me to a project that you guys did that that is really, I think, a model in some ways for, for um, the kind of engagement that you're talking about. When you're a cultural minority, you're trying to establish who you are and talk about who you are. Now, I can't, for the life of me, ever remember the name of this project. I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, <laughs> uh, Christianity. Uh, but um, uh, so what was this project and how was it received? Yeah, go ahead, Simon.
3: It, well, first of all, we'll be testing you next time we see you to make sure you do know. <laughs> I need to What's remember.
2: That? You're right. I need to remember. I, I need to be a good student and remember the title of the thing.
3: So our, our historical documentary called For the Love of God, How the Church is Better and Worse Than You Ever Imagined uh, is okay. a very, very large project we took on a few years Long ago. Long title too. <laughs> Long title, but I think it, I think it says yeah. a lot. Uh, better yeah. and worse might be your little summary to help you remember. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, it was a big project we took on because one of the things we noticed is we do a lot of stuff in mainstream media, so we'll write for, for media all the time. And what we got over and over again, I remember John and I used to talk about this, what are we going to do? Because we'd, we'd get some responses that would say, yes, yeah, whatever, great, but what about the Inquisition, the support of slavery, the Crusades, the witch trials, the oppression of women, and there was this sort of long list of complaints about Christianity. And so we, you're saying uh, when
2: you first founded, when you first founded, you were doing this effort on, to we say were,
3: what Christianity yes. is, and this was the pushback you were getting. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. we had we looked at each other a few times and said, well, it's a long list, and it's a valid list. It's a valid <laughs> list. We had to say that. We had to go. Well, anyone who knows anything about history knows that. There's a point to be made here. But we, we we thought, okay, we've got to take this on and we did. And I'll let John, you know, pick up here, but we we thought it was worth answering it and we did in a very big project that nearly killed all of us. But yeah. uh, we think was we think <laughs> it was a good one.
0: Yeah. So I mean, we went to, I don't know, fifteen different countries. Uh, it took a couple of years to film uh three of us hosted it up front but there was an army of people behind the scenes putting it together um and in the end it's four nearly one hour episodes that track through church history uh, asking you know the question it, it is you know would we be better off without christianity um and uh, the answer is some forms of Christianity, you betcha. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, the project definitely was open and honest about the f- failures of, of Christians. And we took our cue from Jesus, who said to his disciples, you hypocrite, uh, why do you look at the speck in someone else's eye when there's a plank or a log in your own eye? He's saying that to his disciples, right? So we just felt like it was a, you know, uh, an attempt to look at the log. Um, and so we got some criticism from Christians more than anyone else for being a little too honest about Christian participation in slavery and the Crusades and the Inquisitions and so on. And we didn't we didn't uh, take the easy course. Of saying, oh, they weren't really Christians, or, or even worse, oh, that was the Catholics, you know, mm. oh, those Catholics, yeah, they with their Inquisitions and Crusades. That's 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 too cheap because uh, you just got to read what Luther wrote about Jews to to uh, see he more than made up for time. Uh, and then, of course, the Protestant slave slavers, um, mm-hmm. you know, so so th- that was not an argument. So we we were very honest, but that. I, I hope gave us permission to do good history and not just bash the church and point out that, in fact, um, Christianity gave the world some of the things it loves most, um, the notion of human rights. Didn't come from Greece or Rome. certainly didn't come from Thomas Jefferson. It, it came from uh, the doctrine of the image of God, from the Jewish scriptures, uh, through its Christian transposition. Uh, the ethic of humility, charity for all, the birth of hospitals, schooling for rich and poor, boys and girls alike. None of these things can have come from Greece and Rome, but they did come uh, from uh, the Judeo-Christian uh, way of looking at the world. And I, I know, you know the language of Judeo-Christian is, very, is fraught now because it, you know, it's sometimes code for white. That's not what we mean at all. It's the Jewish and Christian influence um on the world gave us some beautiful things, and in the so end, we juxtapose yeah, so these two things. Yeah, each
2: other, we do, right?
0: and and I'll let Simon sort of tell the punchline because we had a message in the end.
3: Yeah, so we absolutely right, and and we thought we can tell. But we sort of t- be honest about the the bad, but but tell this really good story that runs parallel all the way through Christian history. We got to tell some really stories we can be very glad of. That everyone can be glad of. But then the punchline was really, and and there was an image we, we used, which was John's. There was a genius move from John. <laughs> I have to give him that, give him that all that credit. But it was oh, this, my one moment. <laughs> no, you've had plenty. But this is a good one. <laughs> of um. I hope I described this well enough to do it justice. But we, the idea of it was a metaphor, an image of a beautiful tune that Jesus writes for the world. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and this sort of the way he not only said it but lived it out. This servant leadership, and so the the image was of a glorious composition that Jesus writes, and his followers have in various ways tried to play. And sometimes it's they've played it so discordantly and terribly it's almost unrecognizable from the tune. Dreadful result. That's true. It's also true that some have you know fumbled along and tried to play and sometimes played it absolutely beautifully and we've all benefited as a result. But the, the the key was to say, well, let's judge it on on judge that on its best performance and not its worst. And let's point people back to the person who, who composed the tune. So it was a real attempt to sort of push people to who Jesus is and what was he like and what did he what did he leave for us and, and have them kind of ponder that as they weigh up the sort of different Aspects of Christianity. And the years. thing, thing I found
2: interesting about the project is the way it was received, not by the church, but by people outside the church. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Hmm. Pretty yeah. well.
2: <laughs> Pretty yeah. well. It got reviewed. I mean, didn't Pretty it well. end up in theaters across yeah, yeah. Australia? It, it, yeah. it
3: played. It played in I don't know thirty theaters. Um, we had twenty thousand people buy
0: tickets for that. So, yeah. and it was then on and, television. And then it was on ABC TV. Um, which is, I guess, Australian like...
2: Australian broadcasting. Yeah, company, so it's right? like the BBC. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh,
0: but people actually watch that channel. Um, um, you know, so it's it, it was it was a great privilege, and it got and it got some good write ups as well. We had some atheist people say this is surprisingly good. Um, you know, uh, maybe Christianity is not as dumb and mean as we thought, <laughs> which is a great win. So, so
2: you were attempting. You were attempting to be honest and crash a stereotype at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we were. And on that you probably had some success in terms of uh, saying this is some yep. Christianity's more complicated than than you may
3: have thought, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and and Darrell, yeah. it's it's still you we you know, we put it out, was it four or five years ago now, John? But it's still used a lot, especially in schools in Australia, in independent schools, which is a big part of the school mm. sector. It's about 30% of the mm. school sector, I think it is. Um, it's used a lot there, um, and people still use it in universities and churches and whatever else. And they can use, And here's my ad for it because you can get on our website. At That's where I was going next. Okay, go for it. You can go get it. You can buy the whole thing or you can use segments. You can just pick up individual segments. None of them are more than 10 minutes. And so they're kind of useful in a whole lot of different contexts. And at the risk of sounding like we're self-promoting, I just think it's it has been received as, as really useful. Well, used. given I don't
0: work at the Centre for Public Christianity anymore. You can uh, just. Let me just say it, it is it is phenomenal. I mean, mm. Yes, you can buy all four episodes, but actually these guys have released little segments completely free of charge that you can just go to the website and and watch tons and tons of segments. And then they've also produced um, a curriculum that that goes with it. that that you can use and guide people through it. So it's definitely. And this a, isn't just about Australian history. This is
3: global Christianity. Uh, that we're oh, it's hardly global. about Australia at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a little bit of Australia. No, it's a little global, bit of Australia. Global. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we interview over fifty true experts in this this thing, and and we took the approach of let's go to the the real the, the top people that we can find that we can get access to, and we did. We've got some amazing people in this and it helped to i think give what needed which was real credibility who's the best crusade scholar you know who's the you know this sort of stuff so we we really were pleased with how that went because i think it, it, we needed that you know the credibility of that
2: well i think it's an interesting example of a testimony of a group that has a, that's a cultural minority speaking up for itself being honest about what they've been, et cetera, dealing with the perception of Christianity that's out there. I tell people in the States that if you are meeting someone who's never darkened the door of a church, their definition of Christianity is coming from one or two places. The Christians that they know, and you've already cited a statistic that usually that's not very many. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or what the culture says about Christianity. And then my next question is how many of you would like your Christianity defined on that basis? Mm -hmm. And so, You know that becomes the challenge, and and so to be who the church is, and to be honest about what the church is, and to be uh, aware, even self aware enough to to know that that's part of your history. All of that, it seems to me, is pretty uh, beneficial. And uh, you know, you guys know how much I how how highly I think of the center and what it does in Australia and the way it tries to represent. Um, Christ in the history of Christianity, faithfully, uh, I can say, in the good, the bad, and the ugly, and uh, <laughs> and to um, do it in a way that says, yeah, but what we're really about is this this aspirational and real life that Jesus Christ can give to people if you will really connect with what it is that He's about and come to understand it. And I just see that as extremely valuable in terms of the way in which. Uh, Um, uh, Christian communities need to function in a context in which they're minority. I didn't ask one question about Australia. I probably should have asked earlier, but I'm going to cover it now. And that is, when it comes to other religions, what's the makeup of Australia and how much is that changing uh, more recently with all the diaspora movement that we see in all parts of the world? Um, What's that that look like?
3: Yeah. um, Don has probably got the... I've got a few figures here, um, so it, it's it's still a really small part of of the religious makeup of the of the nation, but and it's nearly all a lot of this is through migration. We have you know, very big you know, levels of migration to Australia, so we have uh, Islam uh, is at three three point two percent of the population. Those who are Hindu, and these of course are. People uh, migrating to Australia on the on the whole, two point seven percent Hindu, two point four percent Buddhist. Um, there's a there's tiny other you know percentages, to, you know, Sikhs. There's some there's, it's quite a. I mean, there's a the, you get a representation of a big range of different religions, but they at, the, at this point are still really quite small percentage wise. So
2: is that is that going up over the yes.
3: recent years versus what it used to be? It's going yes. up, and and that would be largely through um, migration. Yeah, and for example, a, it, in the last census,
0: a... Hinduism was the fastest growing religion. Right. And it wasn't because oh, wow. Hindus are evangelizing; <laughs> it's just because yeah. right, immigration from India—they're
2: coming in, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the other issue that you all have had in your past—that's that's unique to you all. Well, maybe it isn't. It isn't unique. It's the kind of thing that happens in a variety of places. Is your relationship to the Aboriginal? population and the issues that that is raised for you all um it, it maybe the analogy is the American Indian issue with us here in the states, but I know that that's another issue that that um triggers reaction in the
0: country yeah rightly so um I mean in some ways it's even worse uh in australia than than what happened in um america uh i mean at least at least the American founders tried to have treaties. With indigenous people in America, uh, I know you didn't keep many of your treaties. Uh, to put <laughs> it mildly, right. yeah. Um, but we did. We didn't even Do that. Condescend to have any kind of treaty with indigenous people. We they were like non entities in the way we we treated them. Um, hmm. And there have been lots of attempts to to care for them and 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 so on, but. We've never we've never made up for what we've done to Indigenous people, and
2: yeah, one of the things that stands out to me, and you probably won't like the fact I'm going to bring this up, but uh, is the difference between the way the Aborigines were treated in Australia and what I see or sense happened in New Zealand. Oh, absolutely, and that there was a, there's a big difference between the way basically the same kind of problem was handled in two different contexts. Well, the Maori um, were yeah. allowed
0: were, were able to fight back and force the settlers to a treaty. Mm -hmm. Um, Indigenous people in Australia just weren't able to be in that powerful enough position and, you know, so lost out. And Simon and I would would both tell you probably, uh, I I don't know how you just voted, but I'm pretty sure how you voted, Simon. Uh, There was just a a loss of a very, you know, a a national referendum to change our constitution to recognise Indigenous people and give them a voice to parliament and sadly, it went down sixty forty against this. Uh, yeah, I'm so aware of that. I think yeah. we're. I don't think we're in a very good position. Weirdly, though, Daryl, uh, the percentage-wise, there are more Indigenous Christians than there are um, uh, non-Indigenous Christians in Australia. Percentage-wise
3: as a percentage. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's uh, much higher, isn't it, in, yeah. than the general. Population. So the missionary
2: a, impact on the indigenous population is still that,
3: having an effect. partly that
0: and partly there was a big indigenous run revival in the 1970s throughout Australia. Mm. Some some indigenous mm. evangelists went nuts and loads mm. of people became Christians and it's um you know it's continuing to to bear to bear fruit so god has been what, what merciful is the despite what's what the
2: aboriginal
0: population in
2: australia is
0: that a tiny it's only, yeah it's only it's only about 4% uh depends mm. how one counts it and people uh <laughs> people are more or less willing to say they've got indigenous heritage so it's a little bit difficult but it's around 4% interesting huh? So it's nothing well, like this the eighteen percent of say African Americans, right? I think it's right. about eighteen percent. Is that is that somewhere? Some right? yeah, well,
2: it's 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 slightly small. I mean, it, the tricky thing in the U.S. of course is you got the African Americans and you got the Hispanics, and they hmm. the the Hispanic minority population is bigger now than the African American population, but the African American population has all the history behind yeah. it in yeah. terms of impact on the nation. So that's, that's mm-hmm. the dynamic of what goes on here.
0: This episode is brought to you by Our Daily Bread Ministries, a global media organization that makes the life-changing wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to all. As a part of that mission, Where You're From is a podcast for those who believe it's important to stop and listen before we speak. Join us on each episode as we ask another Christian thought leader where you're from and discover how their life experiences and expertise, even if we may disagree with something they say, offers us important perspectives worth thinking about. To see our list of guests, visit whereyou'refrom.org today. That's where, Y-A, from, dot O-R-G. I'm Russell Berry reminding you that it's not just about where you're at, but it's also about where you're from. Well, I
2: just want to thank you all for helping us uh, get a glimpse of kind of Australia and kind of what's behind it and a little bit about what uh, the Center for Public Christianity does and CPX, as we love to call it. And uh, by the way, Simon, where do you get access to those segments? Yeah, I didn't give you a chance to tell people that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so publicchristianity.org is our website. You can find it all there. Uh, We have huge you know, public library there of of written and video material, audio material. All kinds look, of stuff. All kinds of stuff. But if you look for the documentary. we've even got Texans. We've got some Texans. I know. I know. I'm 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 tucked <laughs> yeah, away in some corners of that. Darryl will be you can find Daryl if you look hard enough. And also probably worth saying Life and Faith podcast, which we do every week. I'm sure you've been on that Daryl. Um which we're proud of. We think it's a good good uh uh, podcast that you can always send to your friend, your uncle, your daughter, your sister who's not a believer and, and look out for things that you think, oh, they, they might be interested in that. And that's that's the distinctive thing about what we do. Everything we produce, when we, yes. you know, re- speak into that microphone, pick up the pen, start to write. We're trying to write for that friend of yours who's not yet convinced. So that's worth saying. Yeah, to. and
2: that's, that's another thing that I think I really appreciate is, is that you're very – attuned to the non-believing audience as you do what you do. And, uh, and it's a skill that the church, um, desperately needs to pick up on. So, um, so thank you again for the time and for the willingness to update us. Uh, John, uh, you know, i the more I see you uh, keep your eye on the national football league, the more I realize I have to appreciate Aussie rules football. So, uh, <laughs> Anyway, so um, so thank you guys for, for being a part of this. We thank you for being a part of The Table, and we hope you'll join us again soon. If you want to see other episodes of The Table, that's voice.dts.edu slash tablepodcast, where you can see one of almost 600 episodes that we've made over the last decade.
1: Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth love well.